to the first ever Maxology podcast. I'm your host, Max Weinswag. Today is Friday, October 25th, 3 o'clock in the afternoon and 5 o'clock somewhere else. We're in the east of the Shenandoah Valley. Uh, so first and foremost, my name is Max Weinswag. I'm a current junior at James Madison University. I'm from Clarksville, Maryland. And so why I wanted to do this podcast was not for just uh, for me, but because other people would tell me that they wanted me to do a podcast, and I, and I said, well, maybe, and I kept saying maybe, and then one day, I don't know what hit me, but I was like, okay, podcasts are taking over, uh, people don't listen to the music on the radio anymore, instead people are literally going to class, walking to class, talking about podcasts, and I thought, well, maybe since this hit the storm, maybe I should just talk about what I want to talk about, and who knows, like, whoever hears me can listen, and if they don't want to listen, they can tune me out, it was a win-win situation for me, and I hope everybody can laugh and joke about it, and have some opinions about the show. Uh, I really want people to come on the show and talk about whatever is going on in their life and also just have fun. And um, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff, current events, uh, what's coming on in the near future, what could be 10 years away, like like the end of the world we could talk about. And, and we could talk about sports and everything in between. And I'm, and I'm really excited for this. And we're going to get started now with our first hot topic, which is professional athletes and marijuana. And so when I talk about professional athletes, I'm talking about any athlete. It could be a professional gymnast or a hockey player. Or yo, yo, yo. Curling? Curling. It could even be curling. Uh, and for those of you who heard that, that was Brian Penzek. His nickname is Venus. Venus, penis with a B. He goes with that. Uh, he's going to be on the show, too, every week. We're going to just be talking. And when Brian thinks of something, he's going to pitch in as well. So we're going to talk about professional athletes and, and marijuana. So this whole hot topic has been that retired players, um, Hall of Famers even, from all these different sports have come out and they've said, hey, listen, like, I smoked weed literally before every single game. And it brought to my attention like this. If you're a professional athlete that is in a state where marijuana is legal, and at the same time you have to abide by those same regulations that that pro- particular sports organization has. For example, if you're the starting quarterback, in this case, Joe Flacco for the Denver Broncos, and you are an avid smoker in the offseason, and all of a sudden, as soon as OTAs in August and preseason hit, and you are uh, all of a sudden so there's like expected not to smoke anymore, well, that doesn't make sense to me because you're also in the state of Colorado, and league is there, we, or weed is there recreationally, and it's legal. And so I think we're in this part of time where we used to think that smoking cigarettes were okay. We used to, way back in the day, we thought smoking cigarettes was totally fine. Now, all of a sudden, about 10 years ago, 20 years ago, people were like, no, smoking cigarettes is totally bad. But that same statistical analysis, we people were just automatically thinking that marijuana was bad to begin with because they correlated marijuana with cigarettes and nicotine. But the reality is that those are completely different. One uses THC, 
and it, they're just completely opposite, polar ends of the spectrum. Well, I get it. You inhale substance. I totally get it. But at the same time, those chemical effects are completely different. In some cases, some would say that cigarettes stimulate you a lot more than marijuana does. And that depends on the strain. Okay, so so if we're talking about right, so if you get a, 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 a heavy strain of marijuana, then yeah, you're right. Maybe you'll feel it a lot more. Well, stimulation. There's like indica, which slows you down. Put indica into couch is what they say, and then uh, I wouldn't know. And uh, and then sativa, which is that stimulating thing, which gets you up and going, and yeah. So when we're talking about athletes, the worlds that athletes live in are completely different, right? They are getting paid millions of dollars to, for football, for example, you're paid millions of dollars to perform well for 60 minutes at a, at, a, at a certain time in a certain week for 16 weeks unless you make playoffs, which is more. So you can call it 18, 16 to 18 weeks a year where every week you're supposed to play at your peak performance for 60 minutes or more if there's overtime. And if there are professional athletes who say, I play better by smoking weed before a game, I would argue that that should be totally okay. And here's why. Because players have come out and they've talked about how smoking weed has significantly improved their performance. Percy Harvin said, and he's recently retired from the Seahawks, um, he said that smoking weed before every single game made it seem like the game slowed down and was a vacuum. And that boggles my mind because there are players who honestly – can only do that if they're the best in the league. So now all of a sudden, if you take an average player, like Percy Harvin was, he was a good, good but not great wide receiver, and he smoked before every game, all of a sudden he becomes just a good receiver. Imagine if he didn't smoke weed, and it's at the same playing field as everybody else. That way, everybody could smoke weed if they wanted to or not. That kind of sounds like performance-enhancing drugs. You're right, but at the same time, if everybody was doing performance-enhancing drugs, nobody's doing performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, I guess that's one way of looking at it, but then it's everybody's just doing performance-enhancing drugs. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, if there's if it's helping players, and not, not maybe not just performance-wise, maybe we can also think about emotionally. I mean, no, granted, you think players having emotional stress by playing a sport that gets paid millions of dollars, you think, oh, there's no way possible. But there are players out there that are completely you know, crazy, and these are professional athletes. They're just gifted in the sport that they do. They're great, and they're super athletic, but their uh, issues don't, talk, like, don't speak about them on the field. Rather, it's off-the-field issues most of the time. And so if weed helps them both on and off the field, that might be something to think about. And there's actually been a player... Maybe numerous players who have talked about making uh, weed into a drug, specifically like a performance-enhancing drug, but not calling it that, calling that just an everyday, almost similar to almost like Tylenol, as we would take Tylenol for inflammation to pain. Essentially, you're taking a marijuana pill for inflammation and pain. So I think that that's something to think about, because if these players are in this much distress, and they get banged up. Rob Gronkowski, uh, after the Super Bowl, he's a tight end for the Super Bowl-winning Patriots, he had a pint of blood drained from his body after the Super Bowl. And we always talk about players with surgery after Super Bowls, or, or just after games, or after seasons. After the baseball season, pitchers get Tommy John and arthroscopic surgery on their shoulders and elbows, and you, know, you tend to think, what if it was nagging on throughout the season? What if throughout their pitching uh, performances, they're in pain, and what if marijuana helped their pain? And what if 
not just helping out their pain and maybe not making them better. Maybe it just calmed them down to allow them to pitch instead of being in pain at the same time. You know, I think that that's something big to think about because if we can maybe not create it as a performance-enhancing drug and think about it like that, maybe we could think about it as a, a calming sensation like what a lot of people say it is. That's something to think about. What do you think? It sounds like this is just a classic case of, like, I like weed. I don't know why it's being made into a bigger thing than that. Like, at this point, America's on the route to legalizing weed, and they're... If people want to smoke it and then go play football, like, that's all them, but at the end of the day, it's just that we don't need to make it into an issue. It's a big bunch of big fucking dudes in, like, robot costumes slamming into each other. If they need to be high for that, who the fuck cares? Right, and, and I think that if people... If there was data that said weed enhances performance... If there was data that said marijuana makes you a completely different player, then that would be something to look into. But if it's just calming someone down, taking away stress in their lives, truthfully, I don't see it as a complete issue. And I know for a fact that the people in the executive board, on the executive office, the owners, they hate it because they want their players to be perfect. They don't want their players taking anything that is uh, illegal. But soon enough, soon enough with all of these... Uh, state starting to legalize marijuana, it gets you thinking that it is completely legal for a player to smoke a pack of cigarettes before a game, but it's completely illegal for a player to smoke a gram, half a gram, an ounce of a gram before a game. An I mean, ounce of a gram? And maybe An ounce of, what is it, an ounce of what? Dude, no one sits down and smokes an ounce. <laughs> okay, well, that's why. Actually, I'm, okay, wait. Willie Nelson. Okay. Other than Willie Nelson, <laughs> no one sits down and smokes an ounce. So at the same time, if we're comparing a pack of cigarettes being okay for someone before a game and a small amount of marijuana is horrible for someone before a game, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. I, I think it's less about the health benefits and more about, like, you know, the societal, you know, uh, I don't know what the word is. But if everybody's, like, walking around stoned off their ass all the time, we're a lot less productive and like, yeah, we'll have a lot more fun. But like in terms of having marijuana be part of the workplace and that be an okay thing, like, you know, personally, I say go for it. But if it's going to it's going to decrease productivity quite a bit. Now, everybody will be having a way better time at work. Don't get me wrong. And I guess sports are like work for some people. It's work for insane people. But, you know, I couldn't do that. At the same time, but, though, if everybody acted different because of marijuana essentially before people before we know it we would think that they're completely fine if everybody looked if we got used to people acting different and we were accustomed to that week after week we wouldn't think of it any any differently if there is some like if there's a decrease in play if people are getting more injured which i don't think would happen uh then maybe it's something to think about but until we have that proof and it may never happen we may never be legal in the nfl but i think that there are a lot of cases right now against sports that want weed to be legal for uh, health implications positively. But, you know, we'll never know. But speaking speaking also of marijuana, one of my friends wanted me to talk about this. He wanted me to talk about smoking before you study and, and how that could either impact your grade, making it better or worse. And here's what I would say to that. Here's what I would say. There's something called state-dependent association where if there's – and it's a theory – if someone was intoxicated while studying for an exam and then they go to that exam in the same amount of intoxication level, theories show, it's not completely 
proven yet, but theories can show that you might do better because you're in that same state. Now, somebody will come up to me and say, Max, well, if you're sober and you know you study for an exam and then you're sober for the test itself, well, what's the difference? Apparently, there are some theories that alcohol actually makes you remember things better while you're in that state. I'm not saying that when you're sober, you remember things better by being drunk than that night before. What I'm saying is if you're drunk, you retain that same information from when you were drunk previously. I mean, that that goes with the psychological theory of classical conditioning. Like, if you're in whatever state, like, I don't know if you've seen uh, A Clockwork Orange, but essentially, you know, they train this psychopath to be afraid of, like, psychopathy because he, uh, you know, they inject him with drugs that make him sick every time he sees violence. So that kind of works the same way. Like, if you're, like, smacked as shit every time you're studying, whenever you're smacked as shit, you're just going to be like, yo, I've got all this information in my head. And I think I'm going to know how to put it on this test. Except at the same time, you're probably going to just write a bunch of stupid-ass shit like, Dude, I'm writing this English essay about a beaver right now. And this beaver... This beaver's fucking chilling. So, like, you might remember shit better, but, like, you're probably going to end up writing a bunch of dumb-ass shit. Right, and I, and I hear that. I also think that maybe you could, if you're, if you're high... You uh, will give you tunnel vision, and you would probably read faster. Granted, that's not a whole positive thing in itself. There's a lot of cons to it, too. I mean, you could obviously smoke too much and be completely uh, not even able to study at all. Um, <laughs> so that's something to think about, too. But it was just interesting to me that nobody has really thought about, well, that you know, sense of marijuana and studying implications where we have all these tests with alcohol and studying in places. And it leads me to believe this. There was a guy who had to get super drunk before studying for an exam and then get super drunk taking an exam and then do the statistical analysis there. So there was literally a guy voluntarily getting drunk just to study before an exam. You ever think about that? There was a I mean, some, that's college. There, yeah, right. That's but, just college. But there is some guy that said, I am totally going to just absolutely not remember anything and try to study, and then when I get to the exam, I don't remember it all. I mean, that would boggle my mind if someone came up to me and said, Max, you need to be in a different state when you study, and that same state when you take an exam. Because it's so foreign to us. But what if we had a whole class, a whole class of people just absolutely intoxicated before an exam, and they were in that same state from when they were studying for that exam? Then all of a sudden we're like, well, what if that average of that exam was higher than that class compared to when it was they were all sober? Then what do we do? Then all of a sudden, we all, as a society, need to take a look back and think to ourselves, well, should we be drinking a lot more than we should have? Right? I mean, I guess that's one way of looking at it, but like, the way I look at it is like, smart people are fucking miserable, dude. I, I, I don't see any <laughs> reason why we need to keep getting smarter and smarter as a society. Like, we're figuring out so much shit and we're just worrying about it. Like, if we were all just not giving a shit, you know, you, you make some food, you eat it, and you're like, oh, that was good. You go on with your day, and you just, you don't worry about a bunch of shit. We wouldn't have to be competing to get smarter and smarter and, like, find the next way to boost our brain capacity. Because at the end of the day, it really doesn't fucking matter. We just need to, like, go through life and be. We don't need to keep getting better and better because it doesn't achieve anything. It just it's just this thing that we call better for whatever reason. Right. And I think better that word better is subjective to a lot of people. I yeah. think I, you know, if 
if I was happy where I was personally, and I'm super content with my life, but someone else sees me and they're super unhappy with me, well, you know, if I'm happy, then I don't think we should be in this place where somebody should say, like, Max, are you okay? If I myself am comfortable with what I am doing, I think that's all that matters. And, and I don't think that people should, you know, come up to you and be like, hey, can I help you out? You know, we don't want to, like, I don't think people want to be pitied. I just think that people do their own things, and there's nothing ever wrong with that. But we, I mean, people, like, s humanity tells us that we're a judging society. That's just the fact of the matter. If we could perfectly you know be okay with everybody all walks of light that'd be awesome but the reality is you're always gonna have that one person coming up to you when you might be happy but uh you're not wearing a coat when it's cold out and someone says you should really put a coat on but you're happy you know and there's extremes to that and there's something less than that but that's just an example um speaking about school though there's something that i despise about the education system that we take exams and we look at exams, multiple choice, scantrons, whatever, true, false, which is the worst type of question I've ever heard in my life, uh, fill in the blank, short answer, whatever it may be, we take those exams. And for some reason, that exam on that specific day in time for 50 minutes, you're graded for 20% of your entire grade. Some would say that if you fail that exam, you can't get an A in that class. But why? Why is that we are judging classes such as general chemistry or microbiology we're 80 percent of our total grade is exams because it's a matter of how you do on that specific day how you retain information for a course of three four weeks and all of a sudden you go to an exam and what if you have a bad day what if you woke up and you had the worst news ever what if what if something completely terrible what if you got in a car accident and you're walking and you're limping to class because you know that if you don't get to class you lose 20 percent of your grade i mean that's boggling my mind absolutely boggling because if if people would look at exams differently and they made it all just uh you know you do assignments and projects and presentations and applying things to the real world of what you want to do with your specific aspect and we're not even talking about general education classes that you have to take when you don't want to we're talking about classes that you want to take because you're interested in them but you're still judged on an exam that was 50 multiple choice on a scantron that you might not even bubble in correctly or all the way and God forbid you have a pen. I mean, if you don't have a number two pencil, you're screwed. Yeah, fuck those people with pens, dude. So, they are the bane of my existence. Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand what we're trying to do here because if someone told me that they only got their job today because of Scantrons, I'd look at them in the face and i question everything about them, you know? But we live in this American education system where all these exams matter so much if there was a class and all we had to do presentations and projects and we could actually explain what we knew instead of having to fill an a b c d e per 50 lines i mean that would be so much better but i mean those are called essay questions a lot there are a lot of exams that are essay questions if you're in a certain department like you know english but if you're a, a sciencey type of major you need to know the information right i just don't understand how if i want to be for example i want to be a surgeon when i grow up if I want to be a surgeon, God bless your soul, man. Why do? Why would I need to know the specific flagella on a type of bacterial cell, whether it's a prokaryote versus eukaryote? I just don't get it. But I do need to know that because it's the class I'm in, and for that specific class, it's important. But ten years down the road, if someone asked me that same question, if I got that right, I would honestly have no clue how I got to that. I had no idea. That would leave my memory entirely. But all of a sudden, we're expected to know that. I don't get. It. I don't get it. Boredom, I would I would assume is the answer. You know, it's like 
you got a professor, they're in charge of a class, and, you know, some of it's relevant, but at the end of the day, like, they're just doing their job, too, and they're like, oh, how do I make this interesting enough for me and also interesting enough for the students so we can all learn something? But, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's just boredom. I hear you. I, <laughs> I, and I get that. I just, I've been wanting to vent about that for a while now, and I'm glad I did, but sort of switching gears, right. talking about, um... Talking about friends, college, college life, we're talking about education. I want to talk about something that has been the bane of a lot of people like me existences for some time here. It's it's a it's a something people may know. It's called the friend zone. And essentially, what this is is if you are good friends with someone for a while, and all of a sudden you start developing romantic feelings for that person, and you don't know what to do because. If you try to make a move and it fails, all of a sudden, you you could possibly lose that friend. If you make the move and it works, now all of a sudden you're dating your friend. But at the same time, if you ask that friend, hey, what do you think of dating? And they say to you, well, I just think we're too good of friends. I don't want to waste the friendship. Is that based on you actually being their close friend? Or could they just never see them dating you based on attraction, personality, what it is? What if they were just trying to be nice to you? And, and I want to digest this. Okay, because there have been a lot of people that I know who have had best friends for a while. And one day, somebody in the relationship says, all right, fine, you want to date? Let's date. But there are also relationships that I've heard of that they will never date, ever, ever. And I, and I question that because how do you know what you're missing if you're never going to date someone that you've known for so long and someone that could read you like the back of their hand. They know everything about you. Maybe too much, arguably. What are you going to do when you realize that maybe you should have given that person a shot? And listen, I get it. I get it. Don't waste the friendship. I hear what you're saying. But if people truly marry their best friend, people truly do that, you would think that they would get out of the friend zone and see what they can do. Yeah, the problem is that we got to have more people moving from the friend zone to the end zone, but like Unfortunately, there's like a fuck ton of yards in between the friend zone and the end zone, and like the more you run towards the friend zone, for some, I mean the end zone, for some reason, the more like players, the person guarding the end zone will put up, and it's the unfortunate reality of things. But also, you know, relationships are fucking weird, dude. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and we and we we could get into this more next week, but just you know, surface level friend zone. I think it's a myth, and here's why. Because if you make a move with a girl and it doesn't work, I would say that if you're close enough friends to begin with, right after that happens, then you will know each other well enough to make it just like normal right after. If it does work, then all of a sudden you're going to start dating the girl, and that's awesome news. I mean, I would, I would never be happier for my, like, I would not be happier enough for one of my friends that came up to me and they said, Max, I did it. I did it. I got out of the friend zone. I mean, there's... And we know a guy like A guy named Derek. Derek in the fraternity. He had been... Calling him out. <laughs> he had been... I hope you're listening, Derek. He had been absolutely madly in love with his girl for over a year. And they were best friends. People said it would never happen. Next thing I know over the summer, I get a text from him. And he says, yeah, me and her are dating right now. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, you epitomize what, what people want. You know, that is, maybe that's not the American dream, but that's pretty close to it. I think that the friend zone is something that anybody can get out of. They just have to put effort forth. 
You know, I talked to Derek about it. He said, I asked him, how'd you do it? He said, patience. He said, patience is key. And it got me thinking. It, it said, it was like, if someone was so patient like Derek for a whole year, I mean, this wasn't going to happen for a whole year, and the next thing you know, it happens. I mean, that's wild. So that's my advice to anybody listening right now in the friend zone. If there's anybody right now in the friend zone, just wait. Just pause. Take a step back. Realize that you have an awesome friend right now. And then also in the near future, if you do want to do something more with her, try it. See what happens. What's the worst case? Maybe you would say that you're not friends with her. Maybe. But I would argue that you can fix it if you're that close to begin with. So that's talking about the friend zone. And we're going to finish up here because I don't want the podcast to run too long the first episode. We're going to finish up here talking about um, like other people I've met so far in college and how it compares to everybody else I've met in my life. So, first and foremost, the professors in college compared to high school professors. The professors... You, boy, you had professors in high school? No, you're right. <laughs> professors, professors in college, teachers in high school. So... They say in high school, one of, my, one of my teachers would be like, listen, your professors in college are going to be the most strict, super tough, rigid people you've ever met. I walk in freshman year to a general education course. I think it was like WRTC. It was like writing, whatever. We talked about superheroes in the class. It was awesome. Uh, he says, all right, there's two ways to get an A in this class. And they're all both because of me. He writes on the board. He says, one. It is stupid easy to get an A. You're dumb if you get below an A. Number two, I'm not an asshole. This is what he said. He said, I'm not an asshole. So it got me thinking. All of my professors, sorry, all my teachers in high school said to me, Max, you're going to have a rough time in college. All these professors are going to be so strict and telling you everything, and they're going to be wanting so specific details. And don't get me wrong. There have been a couple like that. There's a couple that are sticklers for the format on whatever for significant figures, whatever you want, there are. But there are also some professors that literally show up to class wearing athletic shorts and a polo and a sombrero. I feel like I feel like why that is is because the high school teachers that told you that were like, when they were in college, like, I'm going to be a college professor. And then they just couldn't do it because they fucking sucked. So then they became high school teachers. And then, you know, they're like, oh, well, my professors didn't like me. And they were all fucking shitty so that's why i'm not a college professor now i would have done a way better job but at the end of the day they're probably the more miserable ones that are teaching high school and telling everybody oh yeah college professors are the devil like you know yeah and i and i totally see i guess hearing that now it makes sense in my mind i was just baffled because they honestly in high school they tried to scare you for college a little bit they said your workload would be 10 times larger which in most cases it is i have by and large done way less work at college than i did okay so that's arguable depending upon your major and classes there are some classes hands down that are zero work compared to other classes but i would say that, you know, in, in my specific being pre-med and everything, doing my classes, I'm, I'm working and I'm studying a lot. Uh, but there are also some of my friends, literally, they literally can just do nothing for probably six out of the seven days. It'll take one day to study, and then they're fine. And in high school, I feel like you were trying to do so much more. It was almost like, almost like they made high school purposely more difficult in terms of, like, teachers and schedule and... Uh, you were just not independent at all in high school. You would always rely on a teacher, always rely on someone else. And when you get to college, you're all on your own. 
and that's really special about college. That's the one thing I love about it. But I would say that it's completely different in the fact that you being you, it seemed like someone was controlling you in high school. It seemed like that teacher, whatever class you had, was controlling who you were as a student. Whereas now you can kind of bridge your own path and you can sort of imagine how you want to do everything and you can set goals for yourself and be your own you. And I think that's important and I think that that's a good place to to be because in high school you were kind of figuring yourself out. Maybe freshman year in college you still were, but now all of a sudden as a junior I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I just do everything that I want to do because I'm trying to be someone who I want to be. Not because where in, in high school I did everything because someone was telling me to. You know, my parents would tell me, do your homework. My teacher would say, you need to do this, you need to do that. The freedom in high school was so much less. So much less. And I don't know if that's a byproduct of a curriculum-based education or if it's a byproduct of it being the standard for so, so, so long. But all of a sudden, you're in the same boat with everybody in college. Everybody's working towards that same goal. Graduate, graduate, graduate. Get a, get a degree, get a degree. And these professors realize that, and they want you to get a degree. They want to do their single best to make sure that you can get to where you want to go. And I'm a firm believer that JMU does exactly that. In high school, I don't know. Yes, I get it. Everybody would say, if you asked them in high school, yeah, the teachers are there for you. Yeah, your guidance counselor helps you. There are some teachers and guidance counselors in high school that I had that, honestly, when I said hi to them, just kept walking. I could honestly say to you right now that my professors here in college, I could go out, I could invite them to go throw football and say hi. You know, they're like one of me almost. Seems like they embody who I want to be and hang around. And in high school, it just didn't seem like that. And I think that's pretty special. Yeah, my teachers did not like me very much in high school. I would uh, I'd sit in class. I would still do well on their tests, but I would sit in class and do nothing. And then they would come up to me and ask why I was doing nothing, and I would just be like, I, I don't know. And and then they would just get upset because I'd still do well in their class. So I I was kind of at odds with most of my teachers in high school. But the professors here, it's like, you know, they encourage you, but they're not gonna get pissed off if you don't do anything because they understand that everybody has their own ways of going about things. And I don't know. I think I think that's good. Right, and I think that if you procrastinated in high school, people will get a lot more mad at you. And now if you procrastinate in college, people will be like, oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, wait, what's your test? Monday Monday afternoon? Oh, I'll, I'll study with you Monday morning. You know, it's just sort of that same network here. Right, it's it's a lot less bullshit. People are just like, yeah, we know we suck, but, like, we can all suck together. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I think that deadline, something that motivates a lot of people here are deadlines, where if they have something to do Thursday night and you know about it three weeks in advance, they won't start working till a Monday, Tuesday of that week. It's like, oh, I got to turn this in soon. And so I want to finish there uh, for school. And on, I just want to end on this podcast on a note. So this podcast is meant for a few things. Number one, it's supposed to be like solely opinion-based. What I say is my opinion. What Brian says or anybody, uh, any guest says is their opinion. We are not coming after anybody. It's not to offend anybody. It is our opinions of how we feel things are going on. If you don't like it, we understand. We're not here to appeal to everybody. We would love to. We would love for everybody to say, yeah, you know, I really vibe with what you're saying. Everything you've said, we love. But the truth is you can't please everyone. And we welcome that. I welcome people to say, hey, Max, I, don't di I disagree with you. And you can text me and you can say, hey, 
I would love to come on this podcast and talk to you about what you said, and we totally will. This podcast is meant to be a platform for anybody to come on, say what they want, and we'll talk, just talk, and we'll just talk about it. I don't think that college students do enough of just talking. I think that they have a lot on their plate. I think that everybody is stressing the same amount, and I want people to come on the show de-stressed, have fun. The podcast is a fun place to be. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff this semester, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Everybody that I've talked to is super excited, and I am too, and we're going to get to everything, but I can't do it if everybody automatically thinks, wait, what did he just say? Are you sure about that? Is that right? If you have a problem, just let me know. It's no big deal. I can tell you that... uh, Brian and I are both one of the more patient people, uh, and we're super excited. If you have something to say, let me know uh, anything at all. Any topics you want me to talk about at all. I think today was a lot of fun. I can't wait to see where we go for the future. All positivity. Please, I'll end on this note for now. Always get to where you're going by walking away from where you've been. I'm Max Weinswag speaking for Brian Penzak. Thank you, and I'll see you all next week. Max out.